Welcome to the old bastard martini lunch. This is a show about advertising and design creatives with an audience of one, me. I'm Peter Morse. This is my show. understand there may be some others listening into this conversation and to you I say thanks I'm really only doing this to entertain myself so with that said I hope you find this to be as engaging as I do today very first episode this should be fun uh, gonna interview the official show bartender, Ryan Holt. Ryan is an art director at a local agency that has a real knack for speaking his mind, uh, even when it gets him a lot of heat for doing so. Uh, In part one of my interview with him, I hear about his early professional experiences as well as his thoughts on the drinks he's making. So join us in the booth near the back as we share our stories and our drinks. All right, Mr. Holt. Mr. Morris. Yeah. So, are we uh, are we going? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pre- pretty tasty. That's not bad. It's pretty good. All right, so tell me about your process here with this. With what we're drinking? Yeah. So we've got a uh, Death's Door gin martini. We're going uh, three ounces of Death's Door and... We were drinking them bone dry, so we've merely coated the glass with dry vermouth and then dumped the excess. Then we added our gin to a shaker with ice and shook it till the shaker started to frost over. Added it to the vermouth and then added, well, I am drinking mine with olives and you are having a Gibson, which means with cocktail onions. So uh, you were just talking about how much you like Death's Door, do. or that you've missed it? I've, I forgot how much I like it because I haven't had it in a while, which would mean maybe I've missed it. And why is that? Why do you like it? Um, you, I believe you and I've had this conversation before of what kind of gins we like. I know a popular one is Bombay Sapphire, which I am not a fan of because it is very botanical and floral. I, uh, I tend same with my coffee. So you stray away from floral things in my drinks. So Death's Door, Beef Eater tend to be very neutral gins, not flower forward. So I prefer that. Yeah, I considered picking up some some Beef Eater. Kind of those same reasons. I, I don't know. Like, I think I've gone too far in the opposite direction where it just, like you're drinking perfume and that's not really... <laughs> It's very unappetizing. So. <laughs> when you when you start thinking of it that way, yeah, no, it's it's definitely not appetizing. So tell me about your uh, technique here. You were talking about the differences between uh, shaking versus stirring. Um, ultimately, a shaken martini will get it colder, and the non-traditionalists prefer it shaken. But what tends to happen, especially if you add vermouth into 
with the gin when you shake it, it'll become a very cloudy drink. But since we didn't add vermouth into into ours and we just coated the glass, it is a it is still pretty crystal clear. However, if you whether you add vermouth or not and you stir it, it doesn't get as cold and uh, the drink stays clear um, after it's after you've stirred it, so it doesn't get hazy. So gotcha. traditionalists prefer it stirred so it doesn't get uh, get all hazy and weird. Mm. Well, the best martinis I've had have been served up by you, so yeah. I'll definitely take your advice on that. Well, thank you. Mm. I'm I'm a stirred guy, right. personally, but I, I don't think it changes the flavor of anything, personally. Well, we can accommodate that, then we'll find something to stir with. For next time? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so, we go back a ways. It's... I've known you almost as long as I've I've been back in Nebraska, which is uh, going on to, well, just about ten years now. So, yeah, so I was gonna say, uh, I think the uh, I'm trying to think of the first time we met, and it was you were at Nelnet. Nelnet, and I think it was probably like over a lunch and just walking in the street, ran into you and Randall and Amir and just like a crew. Not sure if Jackie was there or yeah. who was there. I remember. My, not necessarily introduction to you, but my, I started paying attention to you because you would come and meet Randall for lunch, and I sat the closest to the door of our office, and every, almost every day, you would show up and just stand there until Randall came out. And I finally started to re- realize you were Randall's friend, and then opened the door for you. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of homeless guy. Yeah. And your hair was longer then, so I mean, uh, yeah. quickly mistaken for homeless. Yeah. Yours was longer as well. That's that's true. We've it was very. You and I have been through several several shades of hairdos. Mm-hmm. It had like, uh, as I recall, it was kind of like longer and up in like a hairband. I I rocked the hairband for a good what six months. Yeah, just pushing it. It was a good look. Good yeah. look. I mean, but better the, than the, uh, the inmate <laughs> slash penitentiary look. That what the goatee and bald head. Yeah, thing. yeah. Sometimes you like to. <laughs> Go that direction. <laughs> but I remember... Wait, direction of looking like an inmate or being one? No, no, just to look. Just to look. Uh, I remember Randall uh, talking about how uh, they just got some hotshot kid from uh, from Vegas. <laughs> I was like, oh, let's, let's see who this is. I think I think, I think he said hot head kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the one thing that I, I know I've mentioned before is that it's... Uh, like, especially back then... Um, I always kind of equated you to like me 10 years earlier and just kind of driven by uh, a lot of the stuff I was driven by at that time which happened to be like anger <laughs> was a big one so I know you uh, that was something that uh, that I appreciated that sort of passion there yeah it's a uh, passion and anger often get confused and mistaken for each other mm-hmm. and tend to run in the very same circle. And ego. There was ego there, too. Yeah, there's ego. Yeah. Have you humbled now? I have I have humbled. Um, I've humbled, but I still want to do everything, but I'm just not allowed to because of time restraints. Right. And physical restraints, because I just literally cannot stay up 20 hours a day like I used to. Right. And every time I try, it hurts, mm-hmm. and I pay for it the next day. So... Let, okay, so Ryan Holt, uh, art director, 
designer, illustrator, bartender, fisherman, uh, what? A, oh, veteran. Veteran. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an important one. So let's look at uh, for me your career. Like what's what's gotten you, or what's kind of led you on this path to get here? Like start with the Marines, or is it you look at the what's after that, or do we go even further back? Well, I, mean, I think I think this is the Ryan Holt origin yeah. story. So, <laughs> so ultimately, I think what's always driven me was people telling me I couldn't do something. And in high school, I wrestled because the wrestling coach told me I'd never make it through the season. Made it through the season, told me I'd never make it through my four years of high school being a wrestler. Finished that. Joined the Marine Corps, partly because it was the hardest, most difficult thing that I could think of. And people thought that I would never make it. And so I joined the Marine Corps for two reasons. One, to prove people wrong, and two, I didn't understand college, so I didn't want to go. And thrived in the Marine Corps, thought I would stay in forever, what they call a lifer. Um, was teased a lot by my peers saying, oh, you're a lifer, you're a moto, you're going to stay in. I think I essentially, one of the big driving things of getting out was because everybody told me I was going to stay in and I wanted to prove them wrong and get out. And in retrospect, maybe not the decision I would have or should have made if I was thinking more clearly, but you know, that's part of my reactionary uh, character. Mm -hmm. And then I went to an art school and being a Marine. Why art school? Um, I knew I wanted to be a graphic designer because that's what I wanted to do before I joined the Marine Corps. I have a cousin that was a, that is, well, no, he's not, well, shoot, no. Yeah, he is still a graphic designer for um, a boxing company out of Las Vegas. He used to work for uh, the University of uh, UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and he, uh, he went to UNL. Old Ron Bartels was uh, really was, was his instructor. Huh. So Ron's been around a long time. How did that, how did that happen? Yeah. Like, and that was in '91. Yeah, that was in '91 that Ron was his teacher. Hmm. So, so Paul, my cousin, he uh, when he graduated, moved back to Las Vegas. Quickly realized he couldn't get a job as a designer. Had to go to ITT Tech to gain the computer skills. Right. To work as a designer, but so. I've always related really closely to my cousin Paul, as in attitude and creativity. So I, uh, what he was doing for a living really intrigued me. And I used to, when people asked me what I wanted to do, I was like, yeah, I, I want to be a designer. Well, what, is, what does a designer do? I was like, you know, when you walk down the, the uh, grocery store aisles and you, you go in like the cereal box aisle, a graphic designer made those cereal boxes. Like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So that was... You just really aspired to... To make like cereal boxes. <laughs> Captain Crunch was... <laughs> that was the pinnacle <laughs> of graphic design achievement. Yeah, right I mean, yeah, as a as a stoner 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid, yeah. I mean, shit, yeah, you want to make, make fucking cinnamon toast crunch boxes. Yeah, what I mean, I guess that's what your association, what you know there, so... So that's, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to be the guy that made your cereal box. Okay. And uh, so when I got out of the Marine Corps and 
well, and it was evidence I was getting out of the Marine Corps. I interviewed at the Art Institute of Las Vegas, and I chose that very specifically, being a private school. Tuition was very expensive. But I had pre-9-11 GI Bill to help pay, covered essentially half of my tuition. And uh, the reason I picked the Art Institute is they had an accelerated program to where if you were motivated and stayed on schedule, you could graduate within three years. And I felt like I had catching up to do. Right. So I served my four years in the Marine Corps, so I was already four years behind people I went to high school with. So I wanted to go to a three-year program to get a year, get a year back. Right. So signed on to the Art Institute. About a year in, I'm like, hey, I think I get this stuff. I'm pretty good at it. I wonder if I can get an internship. Started looking for internships. Took me about six months. And... Uh, picked up not an internship but a job at a small publishing house in Las Vegas uh, called Stage Right W R I T E oh, Stage okay. Right I get it yeah publishing that's nice which yeah very punny yeah um, but it was they produced two magazines right the Magic and Juggle magazine oh man so for the working magician and yeah. the working juggler we produce those publications. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah. I'm surprised you actually even moved on. Yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't you just stay there forever? <laughs> so um, my job there was to check in ads, make sure they were placed correctly with impagination, and to lay out the monthly columns, like the ones the. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the so long... I didn't get any of the features or any oh, of the fun okay. stuff. Well, I yeah. got to flow type and add inset photos and check in ads. Yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Flowing all that copy in of, <laughs> of a juggling. And, and well, magic. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. It seems to me like that would be a lot more like pictorial, but as apparently there's a lot there, to say. There's some stuff to talk about, I guess. What was your okay <laughs> <laughs> What was your what was what was the page count for that? Oh, magic was yeah, right around eighty-four pages. True Bound book. What? How often did this come out? Monthly. What? Yeah, we had. Uh, there's not there's, right about. There's not that much magic in the world. They had about fifty thousand subscribers. That's it, incredible. Internationally. Well, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, and then we had magic knows no borders. I will say so. juggle was only around thirty thousand. See, but being in Vegas, I was. Pretty convinced you'd say jiggle rather than <laughs> juggle. So, so this was what two? I got out of the Marine Corps in two thousand three, August, and I got my first job at out of the first job out of the Marine Corps was uh, Cal's boat and RV. And this is important because it goes to where I'm at. Currently. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So Marine Corps to boat dealership slash RV dealership selling parts and working retail and customer service. Right. So that, um, I got to deal with a lot of interesting people. I had a regular customer who had uh, Tourette's. He was interesting. Um, people always were impressed with how well I handled him. Oh, see? Yeah. You get you got a good soft skills there. I, I only think I handled him well because he cussed a lot and I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, but that's... That's how I handled <laughs> you for some Yeah, time, I mean, so. that, it makes sense. <laughs> Like I said, 10 years, okay. that was me handling you. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so you got um, 
Working at Cal's Boat and RV. I worked there about two years when I started. Um, well, just a, not quite two years when I started working at Stage Right Publishing. All right. And then I switched Cal's Boat and RV from a full-time gig to a part-time gig. And mind you, this was about a year into, maybe a year and a couple months into school. Right. Of a three-year program. So, right at about the year and a half mark, I had the opportunity to go intern at the second largest ad agency in Las Vegas. How'd that happen? Um, a friend of mine was working as a production artist there. She told me about the position, and I was the only person in in the school that she thought had the chops to make it. Right. So she let me know. I submitted my book, and they brought me in, and I landed the internship. You, uh, you still have any of that work that you used in that book there? Maybe. I'd be kind of curious to see that. I have so. to find. I have to. I have to look. I, I. I know I weeded through some stuff a couple years ago, and I might have got rid of. A couple like, of years ago, and you still had early. work in there from. Yeah, then? like two years ago, I. It had was work that from good. A decade ago. It was that good. No, I thought I should hang on to it <laughs> to remind myself how much of an idiot I was. <laughs> <sighs> no, it wasn't I, really I thought bad. that was I was just so brilliant coming out of this. I mean, if you if I you compared me to other year into art school kids, yeah, sure. I was a fucking genius. Okay, <laughs> well, you know, that's valid. There's that ego we were talking about, right? Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, so I landed the internship, quit Cal's boat and RV, and mind you, I have a young family. We own our own home in mm-hmm. in La- North Las Vegas, and I was making $12 an hour checking in ads and laying out columns for a couple magazines. And then my other part-time job was making $6 an hour as an intern at an ad agency. So you're working two, two jobs? Then. Two jobs. Okay. And school full-time. But, but it was a paid internship. Six bucks an hour. Yeah. yeah I mean, paid I'm, internship. I'm not going to lie. Like Back in the day when uh, I went to meet the pros and... Uh, just talking with a lot of people and they're like, oh yeah, we got internships, we got internships and and I was talking with them and I was like, what's a pay? And they're like, that doesn't pay anything. It's an internship. Yeah, college you credit. get experience, man. And, I mean, I was I was an idiot, you know, and I'm like, well, that's bullshit. You're not going to like get my work for free, like my brilliance. I'm not going to like <laughs> give you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, would, it just, I, I didn't take those opportunities and there are certainly opportunities there but i never did because i was under the mindset that like i just i knew it all and that uh i shouldn't give it away for free so i don't know there's a discussion there for another time yeah but, but I, you got you got a paid internship yeah so. i was making a whopping whopping six dollars well you know that was something yeah no it, yeah. it was but yeah so i left my 15 dollar an hour job for two part-time jobs that together barely made what I was making, let alone not, yeah. See, this is like a theme, (laughs) a reoccurring theme that's going to show up like in our whole conversation because you are always working and never just like one job because one job is never enough for you. No. Yeah. No, I'm what they would call a workaholic. Yeah. Um, That's sad. It is. (laughs) It is. I wish I knew... I wish I knew how to not be a workaholic, but if I wasn't a workaholic, I'd probably be an alcoholic. Right. Which, 
would be worse. Sure. For my liver. Yeah. Um, that brings up an interesting point. My drink is empty. Mine as well. All right, let's uh, refill these. Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to this. Put a timeout on that. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Show one in the books. Ryan and I refresh our drinks. And we'll return for more of the conversation in the next episode. So until next time, enjoy another martini.